ladies, I've got a secret. Even now, in my 40s and being married for over 20 years, I'm still learning about sex. And rather than being quiet or ashamed, which trust me, part of me still wants to stay quiet about sex because I still find it a little embarrassing. And that's how I know it's something we absolutely need to talk about. We need to actually get comfortable with the fact that sex is important to us as women. And so today I'm bringing on Miss Jaya to blow the lid of why millions of women are quietly suffering through decades of penis-centric sex life and totally clueless on how to awaken their own sexual erotic pleasure in the bedroom. So guys, we're not giving up on our partners just yet. There is hope for them and hope for us and a chance for you to have the mind-blowing experience that you are going to lean in, that you deserve. I'm Lisa Billiou and I'm here to empower you guys and myself included. So let's dive in right now with the amazing sexologist Jaya and pop back tomorrow for part two. You're not going to want to miss it. Trust me, you're not. Here I am, the sexologist, and my partner would just roll over and not be interested. And then I'd roll over the other side and cry. One of my main questions I ask myself is, what is erotically possible? I started noticing these patterns show up. That's where the erotic blueprints came from. There are five types, and the first one's an energetic. Number two is essential. One of the orgasmic superpowers of the shapeshifter is... Whoa. This is, by the way, blowing my mind. So please, everyone, stop faking it. We want those orgasmic explosions. Five minutes of oral sex every day for 90 days straight. Both sides doing it? Yeah, both sides doing it. I find the sensual and the kinky work really, really well together. Most people think that, oh, if I have the same type, that's gonna be the best. And it isn't necessarily the best. It is Jaya. Jaya. Renowned sexologist. Best-selling author, pioneer. Helping folks uh, in the bedroom and elsewhere. It's like Madonna. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like- yeah. People really worry, am I broken? Am I weird? Are my genitals okay? We're all wired differently in the bedroom. There's nothing wrong with you. People would come up, wow, this just completely changed my life. Everything makes sense now. Sex is a tool for our own self-realization. We've only touched the tip of the iceberg as to what's possible erotically. The number one thing when it comes to these blueprints is, What's the number one reason women are actually having such bad sex right now? Hmm. I think one of the biggest reasons is because we have a lack of comprehensive, actually accurate sex education. We've only touched the surface, like the tip of the iceberg as to what's possible erotically, especially with our bodies. And then we have a whole layer of shame on top of it. So we can't talk about it. If I admit something's not right, that's not okay. Like, how do I even, where do I even go for this education to empower myself erotically? I don't think sex is just something that happens in our brains. Although, you know, our B-spot is very powerful. Our brain is very powerful in terms of visualization, in terms of fantasy. However, getting into your body and understanding what your body is actually turned on by is a big piece of it. And so that's where the erotic blueprints came from. So there are five types, and the first one's an energetic. And that's someone who's turned on by space, tease, anticipation, longing, yearning. And the superpower of the energetic is that they can have orgasms without even being touched. They can go into expanded states of consciousness. They can go into multidimensional sex. And this is, we can sometimes get really far out with what happens within the energetic realm. I love the energetic. Um, But the shadow side of the energetic is often because they're so sensitive and attuned that they can short circuit really easily. And so if you go too much, too quick, you collapse space too too much for them, then they're going to dissociate, they're going to shut down, and then they think they're weird or wrong or something's broken in me, that they start to build up armor 
instead of really speaking up and saying, no, I like, let's stop, let's pause, something just happened, wait a minute, they will override their bodies continually. And then that starts to create this, like, every time I go to have sex now, I'm starting to just dissociate in order to take it. And so the shadows are like the brakes. And even though we may be doing all the turn on things, if you got the brake on on the car, your car's not going to go anywhere. You're just going to rev the engine and not have any orgasmic explosions happening. <laughs> so <laughs> we want those orgasmic explosions. And so we want to take the foot off of the brake. And so looking at the shadow side is where we go, okay, where do we need to heal within our sexuality or work with those shadows, bring them to the light, bring them into consciousness, stop the patterns that are there so that we can actually now accelerate. And so going down a little deeper on the energetic, so we're going to go through every single one of these, um, but going a little deeper on the energetic then, how do you start to identify that you are potentially an energetic? There are a couple of different ways which we can identify an erotic blueprint. One is that we can see what's happening in the body and how the body is turned on. The other is from what our mind is saying. So we want to look at both things, not just one aspect mm. of it. So I like to do a lot of different games to determine how you can see, you know, like how is my body responding? What's happening in my mind during this? And we can start to pay attention. And so really it is paying attention. And I think the energetic blueprint, however, is the one where it's like, we don't know much about it. And we don't expect like somebody's turned on by not being touched in the bedroom, you know? So like that aspect of, okay, wait a minute, this is where my turn on is and feeling it and noticing that, well, when somebody's actually farther away from me, I feel more, that starts to give you a clue that you could be an energetic. But when somebody's coming in too much, that you're not feeling as much turn on or, you know, doing all the sex tips and techniques, you're not feeling the turn on in those standard narrative sexual techniques, then that may be a clue. Oh, maybe I'm an energetic because I feel more in the anticipation before the kiss than the actual kiss. Ooh, okay. So is that one of the signs? Yes. So it's the thing that happened before the actual act itself. Yes. So how do you then, start, I've got so many questions. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you do you advise that people do this if you're with a partner or what if you're not with a partner? Like I would assume that it'd be better to identify what type of uh, blueprint you have before you get into a sexual relationship. Yeah. So I mean, how do you navigate those? Absolutely. So I think sex is something that isn't just about having a partner. I and mean, we get so tripped mm -hmm. up and like, oh, sex is this thing I do with a partner. No, sex is something that you're doing with you. Sex is a relationship with your own aliveness, with your own life force, with life itself. And I really like to parse out eroticism, which is why I called it the erotic blueprints versus sex, because I think that eroticism is life. And it is this juice. It is this aliveness. The tantrika is called it shakti energy. And so when we have that vitality that's happening, it's shifting our biochemistry in our body even. You know, our, our sex hormones are our youth hormones. So it gives us this radiance to have that aliveness intact and that sexual energy flowing through our bodies. So how do you identify with the energetic then? Mm -hmm. If you're single, how would you know? Because if you're not then becoming intimate, Mm -hmm. with the person yet, how would you identify that? One thing people can do, just everybody who's listening or watching, to hover your hand over your arm and notice what do you feel and to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> As we talk. <laughs> and just notice what happens with your breath. Can you feel the heat from your hand? Do you feel any electricity? What's happening? Are you tensing your jaw? You know, like I what starts to happen <laughs> as you're just doing this? 
hovering. And then you can even go to the little hairs on your arms with your fingertip. And do you get little like chills or do you notice any kind of energy activating your genitals as you're touching your body this way? That could be a tune in that you are an energetic. You can do all of these types of games in your body um, alone. You don't necessarily need a partner to do them. And they may change when you're with a partner. You know, you may... Mm -hmm. You may then do it with a partner and you're like, oh, wait a minute, solo sex, sex by myself, I'm really energetic. Or I I think a lot of people self-pleasure in the sexual blueprint because that's what we're taught. You know, we're taught like, okay, when you're with yourself, you're going to use the vibrator, you're going to use a toy, you're going to use your hands. But we just did self-pleasure. Yeah, we did, girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so let's go down to the number two in your blueprint. Number two is essential, and the sensual is someone who's turned on by all of their senses being ignited. So this is a very sensual space. We have these fluffy pillows, mm. different textures here within the space, and that's the sight, the sound, the taste, the touch, the way a space looks. And even just talking about it, you know, when we start to think of sensual, we think of contouring touch in the body. We think of massage. We think of slow dancing, hot baths, the candles lit. You were telling me a story before we got on set about a time when you were doing all of the sensual kind of like setup. And so like that was very sensual. You lit the candles. You had the space all like in dim light. That is very quintessential sexual. And, and then the end of the story is my husband came in and he's like, what the hell are with these candles put on the floodlights? Right. Which is another blueprint, which we'll get yeah, to. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> and very interesting because I, I have a similar story where I did something in the other blueprint and my partner's like, why are you doing that so obvious? Because he wanted the sensual setup. Right. And so it just, what's fascinating to me about the blueprints is how we, we assume somebody is something and we go to do that thing to please them. And then we find out, oh, wait a minute, I was approaching it all wrong because of who they are as an erotic being. Mm. And then who I am, I was coming from what I think I was supposed to do to turn them on or seduce them. And this is my challenge with sex tips and techniques is, you know, and I used to be the sex tip queen. I used to write, I had the books on them. I had written hundreds of them. I like knew all the sex tips and none of it was working for my partner because it was one blueprint. And so anyway, sensual. Is no, talking I, no about I actually that. love that story, by yeah. the way. I just really want people to pause for a second and hear that is that you f thought you figured out all the tips. You thought you knew everything. And here you were actually going home and not actually having sex with your partner. Yeah. Well, here I am, the sexologist with all the tips, texts and techniques. I thought, great. And then my partner would come to bed and I'd do the things and my partner would just roll over and not be interested. And then I'd roll over the other side and cry because mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm a sexologist. I'm supposed to have this all figured out. Like if this is happening, then something's really wrong. Yeah. And how many women feel that shame and they're not a sexologist, right? right? Where they they feel like, oh my God, it's something broken in me. Why can't I turn my Is my partner, partner not attracted to me anymore? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was definitely going on in my head. It would start to roll all these thoughts and I'd start to go down this really negative spiral. And then he was losing confidence as well of oh gosh, like I'm not adequate enough for her. And mm -hmm. and he, he would approach sex by cuddling, very sensual blueprint. Mm -hmm. So he's there cuddling and I'm rolling my eyes because I'm not getting the message. Just total mismatch, yeah. mixed wires. Yeah. Okay, so with the sensual, what's the shadow side of it? The shadow side of the sensual is you get caught up in your head and it's really hard to feel what's happening in your body because you're like, oh, that pillow's crooked and oh, the breath isn't right. And oh, I wonder how things are down there. And you're starting to think of also the laundry list of all the things you need to do. I forgot to call that person. And your your brain is going into hypervigilance and your nervous system is in that hypervigilance. And so you're 
you're just not enjoying, you're not here, you're not present because you're thinking about all the other things that need to be fixed or that are calling your attention Mm -hmm. away from the present moment with your partner and the pleasure that's happening. And so it's not allowing your senses to really guide you. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, you you move away from your senses, even though it's your superpower. Right. Yeah. So um, how do you start to then eliminate the, the shadow side of that? One of the ways that I find is really interesting, it's actually in another one of the blueprints, is intense sensation. So if you can bring an intense sensation into your body or shut off a sense, like eyes is one of the big powerful ones. So use a blindfold. Have a really intense sensation that's happening on your body. It will bring you to the present moment. Just doing this, now my awareness now goes to what's happening in my body. So your mind isn't then going to the laundry list. Exactly. Genius. I yes. love it. Um, okay, so let's go to the next one. The next one is sexual. And the sexual is someone what we turn we think about turn on in our culture. So nudity, penetration, orgasm, intercourse. The limited definition of sex, however, that's in the sexual is the shadow. It's like, okay, sex equals when it's successful, that there's been some kind of penetration, that we've done the thing until kabam, there's a climax. And then everything is right in the world. So a sexual needs to have sex to relax, whereas a sensual likes to relax first in order to have sex. So it's really interesting how those two dynamics can really play out in a relationship. And if you have those two inside of you, even, you know, like noticing, oh, there's this part of me that really wants to relax, or there's this part of me that wants to get to it, if you have those two as uh, dancing together within your blueprint map. Mm. Um, the, the positive, though, however, of the sexual is that they can really bring the joy to sex and they have arousal that usually goes from zero to 60. It's like, okay, I'm ready. Like, like when the lights go, get the lights on. I don't need all the things. (laughs) Get the lingerie off. Let's just do the thing. That is so sexual blueprint. And so my partner would come in and he'd, he'd be, he'd, just come in and I'd be like, chop, chop, come on, let's have sex. Because you're the sexual one. Because I'm the sexual one. And so, and he was more sensual in the dynamic we were playing in at that time. because we didn't have all this vocabulary at the time. Part of this just came out of my own, like, let me solve this problem of feeling like I'm really failing. I'm failing as a partner. I'm failing in motherhood even because I wasn't alive and juicy. You know, I'm failing in all these aspects. I'm failing in my career because I'm not in alignment with what I'm teaching. And so, you know, I had to figure it out. And this is this is part of me figuring out was, well, wait a minute, something is really disconnecting because I, I think all men are sexual. Mm. I think like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm offering you sex like every day. I'm touching, I would touch his genitals in the car. And he'd look at me like, woman, what are you doing? This is so annoying. You'd be so annoyed. How did you feel about that type of rejection then? It felt, you know, it was really hard. It was really hard. It was like a a very low point in life of feeling like I couldn't succeed, of feeling like I wasn't good enough. And I started to question the relationship. You know, Mm. we had a new baby and I wanted to stay in the relationship because I loved him. I loved him immensely. But our sex life was not what I wanted it to be and not what he wanted it to be either. We just couldn't seem to find our way. And I really had one foot out the door. I started to think, okay, this is it. Like, I'm going to start unraveling this relationship, even though we love each other. And And then I, I flipped something in my own brain. And the flip in my own brain was, I'm going to commit. I'm going to do the opposite. And I'm going to commit 100% to this relationship for a year. And I'm going to do everything humanly possible to turn this around within this year. 
and 10 minutes in, we were in bliss. And there was a moment where we were in Jamaica. We were out on the a pier at the end of the dock on a bed in a restaurant where they were serving us. So it was like this little home-owned restaurant. And they had this amazing pier with a bed on it. And so we're out there eating. And there's a lightning storm in the ocean. And just a beautiful, romantic moment. And I said, have you noticed anything different? And he's like, yeah. And this was about 10 months into my experiment. I said, I have committed 100% all into this relationship and have been doing whatever it takes to make this work. And that's what turned it around was, I think it only takes one person sometimes, you know, to be willing mm-hmm. to do what it takes, to learn the skills, to see what's necessary to turn your partner on and, and to build that. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with highs as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about. That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business, no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. Wow. And that shift of you going, I had one foot out the door to then just committing was such a pivotal moment. And I think many of us, especially when it comes from rejection, Mm -hmm. like it almost feels easier to step back than to keep going and then feel like being rejected again and again and again, because that can really erode your self-esteem. Absolutely. And, you know, if it's something that's super unhealthy, if you know, we had been in a relationship where that felt like it was unhealthy to my psychology or unhealthy, then that would have been different. But 
I have a partner who really loves me and is really willing to hear me and to hear how certain things hurt and for us to work together. And I, I think of a problem not as something between two people, but a problem that's outside. And so we together then are looking at this to see, well, what do we both need to do? What are the things that we need to grow in? in order to solve this. Mm -hmm. And in that situation also, I can just envision, you know, you're trying to like touch his genitals in the car and <laughs> because society, including myself, thinks that like, oh, all guys want sex and right. they just want a woman to jump their bones. Right. And most women are like, ah, oh, but it's not his birthday, right? right. And so now <laughs> he must be feeling, hang on, I've got this dream woman who just wants to keep touching me, but I'm not getting turned on. So he's probably in his own head thinking there's something wrong with him yeah. because other people can only, you know, maybe coerce their wives, sadly, into maybe having sex with them like once a year. They feel like it's coercing. Mm -hmm. um, and here he is having a woman that's always coming on to him and he just can't get aroused by it. Yeah, I think that in that there was a lack of confidence because it was also his business wasn't doing well at the mm. time. Like there's there were, and we had a new baby. Like there were so many things going on that were nixed to his confidence. And I think sometimes if you feel like you can't win, which we were both in this feeling in this situation where we couldn't win, um, then it's hard. It's just really hard to feel like turn on mm -hmm. when you're feeling like you're a failure. And especially with the messaging that men have of like being the stud in the right. bedroom. Right. I mean, I think that this is really a disservice that we've done to men in our world, which is that there's a projection that this is the way that they're supposed to be. And then they think that they're supposed to be that way. Otherwise, they're a failure in the world. And what we've seen in people taking our quiz, we ask people what their gender is when we take the quiz. And what we've seen is that cisgendered men are usually all of the blueprints, sexual is still high in there, but like it's a mm -hmm. mix of the blueprints, not just sexual. Yeah. And so we need to stop thinking that men are so simple in their sexuality or so simple in their psychology and really see them for who they are as erotic beings. Mm. Yeah, dude, I, after reading your book, I actually felt badly for my husband because I was like, you know, well, I would put on the sexy lingerie, right? And then it was like super freaking uncomfortable and you've got to breathe tightly and it's the corset <laughs> and the thing and the lace and everything. And it's like, I hate wearing this. And he would come in, he's like, yeah, just take it off. And so part of me was just like, what's wrong with me? Right. You know, it's like, am I not turning you on? And so him having to almost, I felt insecure. I was then vocalizing my insecureness. And then for him, he was like trying to say, well, no, I just find you stunning and exciting with no clothes on at all. Exactly. And now <laughs> to your point, there was this like total mismatch right. that I was building my insecurity. I was also thinking when I said my poor husband, like, is there something wrong with him? Like he doesn't get excited because right. I'm wearing lace underwear. Right. Like, Isn't I he supposed to? Yeah. 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 And then with my partner, if I came naked, it was too obvious. Oh, is that he what he wanted me? He likes me all covered in athletic gear. Interesting. <laughs> athletic athletic gear. gear. Athletic wear. <laughs> yeah. And so, how did you deal with that in that moment? Because you said that you're a uh, essential. I am primarily sexual energetic. Okay. So when you're like, okay, I'm nude. That's like really putting yourself out there. And now he wants you in athletic wear. How do you <laughs> yeah. reconcile that? Because I understand the like do what it takes mentality, mm -hmm. but at the same time, how do you get turned on if you're just serving your partner? Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. So part of that is about expanding into other blueprint territory. I think our blueprints show us where we're limited as like there's a full spectrum of sexuality here. And then, oh, I'm kind of stuck in these mm -hmm. categories. So can I find turn on in these other types? 
And so the experiment began for both of us because he was 0% sexual on his poof. So when I'm coming naked and grabbing his crotch, he's like, what are, what are you doing? Right. I asked him to send me some videos of what turned him on. And he sent me like videos of people like romantically kissing. (laughs) So like, I know there's high sensual there, but I was only 5% sensual. So I'm zero, I'm zero in his primary one, which is kinky, which is the next one. And he's zero sexual. I'm 5% sensual, which is his uh, almost the same as kinky for him. And then he's zero percent or 5% energetic which, so I'm sexual energetic, he's kinky sensual, and we're completely flip-flopped. Holy smokes. So we had to learn how to bridge it. We had to learn how do, how do I then get turned on when I'm wearing athletic wear and, and getting the ropes out, you know? Like, was, like, and he's cuddling with me, right? Um, and we did that. We've done that dance, and we fi- found those ways to even just energetically he can dominate me energetically by teasing me, teasing me, teasing me. And because my sexual is next and I'm like, okay, let's get to the thing now. I'm like turned on because we've had all this energy play. He'll, he won't give it to me because now we're in a power dynamic of playing. And so that feeds his kinky to be able to play with me that way energetically. Oh my God, that's so cool. Um, okay, so let's talk about kinky. So kinky is someone who's turned on by the taboo. And that's whatever is taboo for you. I really like to have a broad definition of kink. I think we have a lot of things in our culture that are naughty. And so there's a lot of people who have kink within their blueprint map because it's like, oh, I like that thing that I'm not supposed to be doing. And there's psychological aspects to the kinky. And then there are physical aspects to the kinky. So my partner, Ian, he is psychological in that he likes to be out of control. He like he can switch between both dominance and submission, but he really loves to like not have to be the one who's in control. So when I'm taking over that power and I'm taking over that dominance of him, like he can't speak or he has to do what I say, those kinds of things are a big turn on. So that helped my sexual. So we do this little game, again, the Venn diagram of for the next 24 hours, you have to do whatever I say, whatever sexual favors that I want, you have to do them. And that completely turns him on because now I'm in the power dynamic and we're playing a psychological game and it turns my sexual on because I can just be like, come over here and do the thing. (laughs) <laughs> chop chop yeah. <laughs> you, know? you actually break down you said there's three elements to kinky can you repeat yeah, so those there's this, the psychological okay so and that's then, the what like I'm going to tell you what to do when to do it how to do it and you can't talk okay within consent of course right, you yes. know so like the, those are the power dynamics and then the next one is sensation based and that's somebody who loves the like for example Ian loves the ropes And so the feeling of constriction, the sensation of constriction feels really good in his body. And that's very pleasurable. So if I get the ropes out and then I boss him around, it's a winner every single time. (laughs) And then the third is somebody who is a mix of both of them. And he's a mix. He's a mix of both of them. Yeah. Going back to what's the shadow shadow side of kinky? The shadow side of the kinky is shame. Why am I turned on by this? Why do I like this? This is outside of the box. Um... And that, that shame then can become like this thing that then makes that thing that you're so turned on by the only thing that you want. And that eventually can become a rut and become a grave. So you find this pathway of something naughty that turns you on. And then all of a sudden it becomes the only path to turn on. Mm. And you yeah. actually said earlier, um, kinky is whatever you perceive as kinky. Explain that because I think this is so powerful. Yeah. So if it's taboo for you, 
then that becomes kinky. So like I had a, a couple who had never had sex out of missionary position in 40 years of being married. And then they had sex outside of missionary position. It was so naughty to them. And so that was so kinky. So it it has a wide range because of it being based upon that. So if it feels like, oh, I shouldn't be having anal or something like that, then that is now kinky instead of sexual. Mm. But if it's like, no, I just like the penetration of that, then it's more sexual blueprint. So it doesn't have to be like all the way to Fifty Shades of Grey. No, it does not have to be. (laughs) But if that's what turns you on, you know. But I actually heard you say, you know, like um, specifically um, religious people as well. Like that becomes Mm -hmm. a thing because they've been taught that that can be bad. And so they stay in this um, kind of cocoon, if you will. Right. Anything that feels bad and wrong when you start to step outside of that and and break free of that taboo, um, it may shift then from being kinky into something else. Mm. But as long as it still feels like it's the taboo and you're you're doing something wrong, and I'm putting wrong in quotes because it's not wrong in most ways. You know, if it's consensual, if it's safer, you know, you're practicing the safer sex practices. If it's sane and consensual, then you've got, you know, the recipe for something that can be played with. Yeah. And what do you see as, I, I typically think of kinkiness, or I had until I read your book, um, thought of kinkiness as being more of like a male thing. Uh-huh. Um, but in again, reading your book, I'm like, oh, I'm the kinky one in my relationship. <laughs> um, and But I think... I love that. I, but I think I always put it in a bucket of like, well, no, Lisa, you're the female, you shouldn't. So do you actually uh-huh. notice a difference or um, between men and women in the kinkiness bucket? Or is it just the stereotype that has been given to us by society? You know, I think it's this is always an interesting conversation for me is like the stereotypes of, oh, I shouldn't be that way because of my gender. Mm. Or I shouldn't be that way because of something in my life, the religion I grew up with, that there are these shoulds that we put on ourselves. And so what we've seen in the quiz, I talked about how men are kind of around the board with with women, it's mostly sensual and energetic. Mm. But this is the really interesting piece. I talked about the mind versus the body. The quiz that we have online is all the mind. But then when I start to get into women's bodies, I see more kinky come online than any of the other blueprints, which is which is fascinating to me because there's something, and there's always a sound, I always know because there's always a sound that comes with it. And it's like, because they've never tried it, or because they've never gone down that road, they don't know that it's actually something that's turning them on. And then we get into actual practice, and then there's this, oh, 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 sound that happens. And I'm like, there's the kinky blueprint. And so we often have a quick expansion into the kinky once it starts to be explored. That's so cool. And how do you start to... I was going to say actually eliminate the taboo so that you can try the kinkiness. Um, Actually, how do you do that? Part of it is just looking, okay, where are the corners of shame? And then what would have me feel safe? I love doing dyads. They're a process that I use a lot in my practice. And so it's as simple as something you could do with a partner. You could do this with a friend. You don't have to have a, a romantic partner you're doing this with. But tell me something that feels shameful in sexuality. And you keep going back and forth with the same prompt over and over again. And what it does is it starts to empty the mind of the mind content so that you can get free of all of the mental chatter that's going on about something. And then after you reveal all of the things that you feel shameful about, then you can go into tell me something that would have you feel safe Mm -hmm. to explore kink and then get all of the list of things that would help you feel safe and then look at that list afterwards and go, okay, these are the things I actually need to implement here. Um, these three are the top ones that would have me feel really safe 
to explore kink now. Mm. Yeah, because I was thinking, what's the difference between the idea of something versus the actual act of something? Because there's a lot, and I'm just revealing something about myself here, but there's a lot of like kinkiness. I'm like, oh, that would be exciting. But I was like, even him doing the work with someone I feel very safe with, like my husband, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between a fantasy and your brain. Right, yeah, that's what I'm getting at, yeah. (laughs) And and actually doing it. So I remember uh, I read the Anne Rice trilogy, which has a lot of really intense, kinky stuff in it. Um, The Sleeping Beauty trilogy. Have you ever read it? No. No. Um, I'm putting that on my book list, though. (laughs) So I read it, and it was so hot, like, in my brain, like, so hot. And just, okay, maybe I want to try that. Maybe And I, I was reading it for research for another book that I had written. And uh, my partner and I were doing this experiment of 40 days of kink where he was dominating me for 40 days and I was dominating him for 40 days. And during the time I was marking, you know, and reading this book, like things I wanted to try. And then and then when we flipped over into him dominating me eight days in, it was not going well for me. And my trauma was getting all triggered and it, it didn't feel like I thought it would feel it was so much better in my head than in real life. And so then we had to back up and we had to start over and go, well, wait, wait a minute, let me find out authentically what my body loves mm-hmm. versus what my, I had so much cognitive dissonance between the two. So sometimes something is better in your head than it is when you actually go to do it because your body has a different idea. Superpower though, is that it can go, I mean, creatively, you could learn something every other day in the realm of kink. There's so many, just even like the knots and the rope ties or just any of those things, the psychological games that there are to play can be a lifetime of learning, learning Mm -hmm. skill. Amazing. Okay. And then the next blueprint? So that's the shapeshifter. And the shapeshifter is someone who's turned on by all of this. So there's someone who likes all the variety, all the things, one at all the time can just, they could be in pleasure for a really long amount of time. Usually one of the things at our events is we'll have, uh, we have all the massage tables set up and we have a day that's the shapeshifter day. And it's amazing to see, I mean, we can do three hours on the table and they're still not like, they're just like, we can go more, we can do more, we can do more. And uh, shapeshifter day is always a little bit wild because there's this huge variety and a huge appetite for everything that they want, crave and desire, and they always can have more of it. So are they harder to please? I wouldn't necessarily say they're harder to please. I would say that there's the most starving in the blueprints. And the reason why they're the most starving is because they shapeshift. This is part of their shadow and part of their superpower. They shapeshift to please the other people because they can speak any language. So if everybody's speaking sensual, okay, I'll speak sensual too. And so they can be pleased. It's just that they they often don't have players who know how to play and speak all the different languages. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to say. Like, how do they actually get true satisfaction in a long-term relationship if they're with one person that doesn't even have a combination? Let's say one person is just the sensual. Yeah. So if they have a partner who's primarily one blueprint, like a lot, a big percentage of one blueprint, that can be that can be a challenge, you know? And so that person has to be willing. And I think this is something I talk about a lot in the book because it's really the number one thing when it comes to these blueprints is, are you willing to learn? Are you willing to become multilingual so that you're satisfying your partner? If you love your partner and you're in a relationship that you want to stay in, then it's worth, let me, okay, let me go learn French. It's just like learning language. You can learn the skill sets. Um, and so that's what it really comes down to is, do you have high willingness to take the time 
to learn how to play the Stradivarius violin, which is what the shapeshifter is, you know. Shadow side is that they can shapeshift to please everyone else, but also that they feel like they're too much or they're too complex. And so they've heard this in their life oftentimes, like, you just want too much, like, you're wearing me out. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's not that you're too much or too complex. It's just that you're very erotically sophisticated and erotically intelligent. You actually have full spectrum sexuality. And so what I think is very interesting in my 30 years of practice is seeing, I think that we're all shapeshifters. And what has happened is that we're conditioned and programmed to be one type where we then land and kind of get stuck and don't develop erotically past that one type to really come into full spectrum sexuality of who we are as erotic beings. So is it kind of like the language where it's like, you've been brought up to speak this Exactly. Language. You may have an accent if you speak other languages, but you can still speak other languages. Right. Yeah. And so how willing are you to develop yourself if we're looking at erotic empowerment for everyone and erotic confidence? Being a shapeshifter that's fully developed is, to me, when we're... we're whole. I, I always am careful to say this because I think that we're whole already. Mm-hmm. We actually are already whole and complete. We just need to uncover the programming and the conditioning that's on top of who we already are to step into our fullness Mm. erotically. And so it's about peeling back those layers that keep you from your full erotic expression of who you are. And to me, the shapeshifter is the full erotic expression where, of course, you have confidence. You can speak any language. You've just learned. (laughs) You have five of them, you know, you can you can touch on. And there's not a boring moment because the shapeshifter has all this variety. It has access to the full capacity of our eroticism. So when you said um, they can just keep going, does that mean that they can have multiple like typically have multiple orgasms? Yeah, orgasmic superpowers are different in all of the blueprints, but one of the mm-hmm. orgasmic superpowers of the shapeshifter is that they can have all the different kinds of orgasms and they have really an unlimited. In my life, one of my missions, main questions I ask myself is what is erotically possible? And I've never found the ceiling to that question. And I have been in that inquiry for 30 years and I have not found a ceiling. Wow. So what is possible is infinite. Depending on yourself or depending on the person you're with or both? Both. Is there a way to then get um, certain uh, satisfactions then? Or do you advise if your partner cannot maybe reach the the blueprint that you're in, would it serve you to serve yourself in that category and then please the other person? Yes. This is when it, now that you know the blueprints and you start to know who you are erotically, it's like, okay, what are the next steps then? I know myself. That's the first one. And now let's look at how am I being fed? Am I completely starving? Because if you're starving, trying to then go and please somebody else doesn't work. And I, even looking at the history with my partner, Ian and I, it's this, I was really starving. I was really starving. So then it was hard for me to go into like all the sensual and kinky and ropes. I was like, but I'm starving. So we did it. You just ex- want a cracker. I do. Just about the gourmet meal. Just give me a cracker. Exactly. Uh, and, so, um, and so we did this experiment. We do these experiments all the time. And we did 90 days of oral sex. And he had a lot of resistance going in. Again, both sides doing it. Yeah, both sides doing yeah. it. And so we did this every day. We were going to do five minutes of oral sex every day for 90 days straight. But he was like, oh my gosh, he didn't want to fail. So we had to come up with easy wins. I think this is an important thing for a lot of people to hear is like, don't start like with the hardest thing. Start with something that's really, really easy. Mm-hmm. And so 
how can you get fed on easy wins? And oral sex seemed easy to me. And I also, we didn't fully have the blueprints yet. So he was, I was like, what is wrong with this man that he doesn't want oral sex for 90 days? (laughs) (laughs) So we had to make it winnable for him. And so one of the winnable actions was it's only five minutes and it can be a mouth on any body part. So, you know, that incorporated as sensual. It could be anywhere on the body. It doesn't have to be the genitals. And so that made it easy. So he can like nibble your ear. He could nibble my ear for five minutes. That would count as oral. (laughs) So, And it works for me as an energetic because sex can be not just genital focused, Mm. even though my sexual does come online. And what was interesting, too, about the five minutes is then we would find ourselves going 30 minutes, 45 minutes, you know, like. It would just be that in. It was like, okay, we got that five minute in. We won. We'd high five each other, and then we'd keep it's going. Amazing. And then, and then the next one was he got ten get out of. We both got ten like get out of oral sex free cards. <laughs> <laughs> and so we had this. Just we just really set it up to be really easy. And then I was fed. Now my sexual was fed, which then opened the door for our next experiment, which was the kinky experiment, which really fed him. So now we're coming from this deeply fed space. Mm -hmm. So the next one, so fed is the first one, then then the next one is speaking. And so how are you speaking to your partner that helps them now feel connected to and honored? So if you're speaking the wrong language, we don't necessarily understand each other all the time. And the language isn't just the words we're saying. The language is also what's happening in your body. So if I'm coming to him and I'm saying, I want to fuck tonight, he's going to not be turned on. But if I say, let's cuddle and see what happens, then he's turned on because he doesn't feel pressure because I want to have sex is going to be pressure. And how do you identify that? Is it just through identifying the blueprint? Okay. Yeah. Once you know the blueprint, then you can start to know, okay, well, even my vocal tone if my vocal tone was too intense, then that's going to be a turn off versus like if I'm like more melty and, you know, have a different tone and way of being with him. And even energetic body language is so important that attunement for an energetic because if I'm too close and I'm there's any feeling of like too much aggression and I even leave pauses in between my words so that the energetic can digest it. And so I took some of the things that I learned from some of my vocal training and from my acting background to go, okay, well, if somebody needs these things, then how I'm perceived and how they're reading things, I need to shift how I'm doing that. So even where my breath is or how I'm looking in the eye or not looking in the eye, all of these things are being read. And so study of body language as well. That was, I, I read this book, um, it was by Ken Dykdwald, which is uh, Body Mind was the name of it. And I read this in college and it fascinated me because he would look at people just standing in front of the room and how they were acting and he could tell them their whole history just by their body language. And that was something that I just started studying is, okay, how I'm holding myself then is how people are interpreting who I am and what their projection is on me. And I started just breaking that down for the blueprints. And I think one really important thing that you're saying is, is like, you have to kind of keep trying things, keep looking at things like the way that it works, right? Like, so with this tone, did that tone work? Yeah. Okay, did this word work? Uh-huh. And to not put it on as like something fake, at first it's going to feel a little weird. That's you what know? I was going to say, because if you're essential, telling someone, hey, you want to fuck, is a little uncomfortable and fake because you don't necessarily mean it. Right. If you're, If you have trouble with those words, then how do we land into them and how do we make that comfortable? And sometimes that's just practice, like practice in front of a mirror. <laughs> just start saying, mm-hmm. hey, and you're, you're essential and you're trying to talk to your sexual partner of like, hey, I'd like to fuck you tonight and just practice it. 
do it, get grounded. And then notice, well, wait a minute. Now maybe I need to work with a shadow side because those words are hard. And is that a hard limit or is that just a resistance in me? And I think that's a really important key piece is, is something in me like a hard limit? I don't want to do this. Then we need to go, wait a minute, let me ask you a different question, partner. You know, my, can I ask you the question of what about that act? Like, let's just use anal as an example. So what about that act turns you on? What about that is the turn on? And let's say you have a hard limit about that. Now they can say, well, what really turns me on about that is that I feel like I'm in a surrendered position. I feel like I can let go more fully with that kind of sex. Okay, so now I've heard two things, surrender and let go. So how can I now bring surrender and let go that has nothing to do to, about the act that's actually happening and become a yes to surrender and let go versus the actual tactic? 